0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Uh, William Branham, you'll find lots of things probably on YouTube. It's the result of Branham's ministry actually was that his doctrine became quite distorted, uh, which is always a a problem for any person in ministry, um, but at the very early stages of his ministry, you can quite clearly uh, clearly see that he preached Jesus, he saw miracles, and uh, he moved in the prophetic in a in a profound way. Um, the reason I showed you that video is because for many of you know for the last uh ten years eleven years i 've been moving in the prophetic, in this church, and for many years I've been moving in different, I would say different levels, but one of the things that encouraged me to push forward was actually this clip, and Peter once sent this clip to me and just said, just watch this guy, it's not that we should try to imitate him, but just look at how he's pushing the gift forward, and it's something that made me try to push the prophetic forward. The Bible talks about us fanning into flame the gifts of the Spirit, and for us, we need to work sometimes to try and bring these into practice. So, if you could just turn in your Bibles, we're going to start off tonight. Has everyone got uh, notes with them? Uh, I've sent them round as everyone got the notes. Lee, did you go? We're going to turn to Acts 2 to start off. Verse 17. How many have enjoyed Peter's uh, teaching on preaching for the last couple of weeks? It's been good, hasn't it? I missed the last weeks, but I heard some great stuff, and I can assure you I'm not going to be as funny as Peter tonight, so. <laughs> if we just turn to this, Acts 2, verse 17, it says this, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. It's a great bit of scripture in, in Acts here. This is many of you know, and if you don't, this is referencing uh, Joel two. Um, and as Peter uh, speaks this in Acts two, he's referencing and effectively saying that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost is saying that in, this is the fulfilment almost of Joel two. So when Joel prophesies and says in the last days, and if you t- if you turn to Joel two, I don't want you to do that now, but if you if you did look at Joel two, you'll see it's the same uh, bit of scripture. One thing just to throw in, a little Bible nugget, as we all like Bible nuggets, don't we Steve? And this is not giraffe fish. You only know what that means, I think, if you've been on week one. But just to look at this here is that one of the things, as I read through this, we talked about prophecy. And it says uh, in verse 18, Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. When Peter says this in Joel 2, the words, uh, this phrase, and they will prophesy, is not actually in Joel 2. So he's actually adding to the the Joel 2 prophecies, effectively saying there's a fulfillment, but he emphasizes that particular phrase. And that's interesting for us tonight because he's emphasizing about prophecy. He's saying when the Spirit of God comes, they will prophesy. And he repeats through this uh, bit of scripture. And we'll see uh, wonders in the heavens above. It's a great bit of scripture because it shows us that actually God wants to pour out his spirit on all of us. So everyone in this room tonight, some of you might be coming thinking, I want to learn about prophecy, maybe to receive prophecy, just understand a little bit more about it. But I just want to encourage you before we kick off the whole thing that actually everyone in here has the ability to prophesy. Many of us think that we have to have a certain receptor to receive from God. But put in its simplest form, if I'm just going to jump ahead here, is is that actually when we know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, he that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of us, the kingdom of God is at arm's reach, then actually he's quite close to us. It's not something that we should be scrambling to find. And many of us, I want us to encourage us because next week we're actually going to be again a bit more practical, so I want you to be ready for that because we're actually going to be prophesying next week. And people are going to be doing some things probably you've never done before. But I want to encourage you that you can do it. It's not for special people. So this says, Acts 2, it says, that he'll pour out his spirit on all people and they will prophesy. For me, the gift of prophecy uh, or the, the prophetic gifting and doing these kind of things and moving in words and knowledge and all this kind of stuff, it started quite a while back when I used to attend, uh, I've I've pretty much attended here all the time. I've been in Cambridge, uh, been a Christian in Cambridge at this church. But very early doors when we used to meet in the, the back room and have prayer meetings, there's a clear distinction. I remember just before this happened, I used to kind of in prayer meetings receive pictures and share things. But there was actually a distinct time I always remember that something happened that I feel as though I was pushing it a little bit further. And what it was is, one night I was in a circle uh, praying together with a few of us, ten people or so. And in this group of people as we were praying, I just remember this guy wanders through the door into the back room. Many of you not remember when we used to be in that back room. We never knew we were going to walk through that the back door. And this one night, this guy walks in, and he's—I could tell straight away, and you normally can—but you could tell he'd been from the streets. His clothes and was quite, you know, ripped and. He just came in and he looked as, the, he, he looked as though he'd had a bit to drink. But he came in and his name was John. I always remember him being John. And he came in and he just stood and first of all, when we, especially if you're leading a meeting and things like that happen, you always think, what are we going to do now? How are we going to control this? And what, how are we going to deal with this? Because some churches can say it's ruined the rest of our night, you know, what, you know, somebody's just come in. But for me, he came in and we just, I remember Peter said, you know, come and join us. So we just stood in this circle as we all prayed. And as we were praying and doing our thing and worshipping God, I said to God in the quiet of my heart, I said, God, that guy over there, how do we reach these people? How do we um show these people that you're real? No one knew I was saying this. I was just thinking, at the end of this meeting, we can either talk to him and just encourage him, give him a bit of money and say, go and get some food, which is all good. These are all good principles, but... I wanted something a bit more special than him to go away because anyone on the street can give money. So whether you're Christian or not, anyone can do these practical things. So the church, it's good for the church to do this, but we're supposed to be acting in supernatural gifts. So for me, I looked at this guy and I thought, how can I, or us as a church, do something for him? And so as I looked at him and we prayed, I kept looking at him. And as you do when, if you ever want to move in prophecy and, and you things like this, you always tend to look at people, early when you're early in the gift, and you're thinking, what is it that's, that I can say about them? Is there something that I can see in them with my natural eye that would give me an indication, which is actually wrong. We shouldn't do that. But I was looking at him, and actually nothing came other than, you know, he's a street guy. And I just said to God, I said, God, tell me something about him. And all of a sudden, I remember it very clearly, clearly but, a picture came to my mind, and it was like an old-fashioned uh, carpenter, a bit like Jesus, working with woodwork. And this came so clearly to me, but it was—that's all it was—just this picture of someone working. And then, I, and then I just felt God say, and I said, well, "What does that mean?" And I felt Him say, "This guy has worked. He used to before he was on the streets. He used to work in carpentry and woodwork." And and I just said to God, I said, "Well, okay, that's that's fair enough. But what else, you know?" Telling him he works in woodworks not really going to help him. And I said, "Well, what else is there?" And I just felt God said this that he has uh, broken up with his wife. He's now on the streets, and because of drink, that's what's caused this problem. And he's now on the streets, but he used to do these kind of things. And actually, there was no there. There's a lot of revelation of knowledge about him, but there was actually nothing that I felt God was actually telling me. He may have been, but I just probably wasn't listening correctly as to what to tell him. So I actually never received what I thought was the thing I should tell him, you know, what God wants to say as a result of that. And actually, the result of this is I never actually said anything to him on the spot. I received all this and I thought, is this real? Is it really God or is it just me getting a little bit sensational? The adrenaline's rushing, as many of you know it can do with, with things like this. We can mix the adrenaline with the Holy Spirit sometimes and get really confused at that. And at the right, at the end of service, I've done this many times, and I even do it today because we're, we, we're human beings. We want to know, has God really spoken to someone? So sometimes I'll talk to someone after and find out, you know, if I've said something, as, as that encourage you. And I went up to this guy and I said, Listen, where are you from? And he said, His name's John, blah, blah, blah. And tells me he's, he's kind of, he's come from Scotland down here and he's now in the streets. I said, what did you used to do as a job? Did you used to work? Because I wanted to know everything, what I just felt I'd received. And straight away he said these words to me, I'll never forget. He said, yeah, I used to be working woodwork. I was, I forgot, what's the name of the, the term that's used today for a joiner? He said, I was a joiner, I made doors and do all these things. And as he said that, my heart just sank because I thought, straight away, as he told me this and he said that he'd broken up with his wife. And he was obviously affected by drink, you could see that. But when he said these things to me, my heart sank because I thought, it's fine. And I actually told him what I felt I'd received from God, which really had some effect, but nowhere near the effect it could have had if I'd have just said, listen, John, I don't know what God wants to say to you, but I know you might have worked in wood, revealed the word of knowledge and then said to him, even if I don't understand, God loves you, you know, I just want to tell you that. And that revelation to him could have been something so special. And I really fe- I've really, i always felt that God, uh, through the years, has r- reminds me of that marker, that, that point when he said, if you just do these things, and there's other points where I've not said something, and I found out after that God could have spoken to someone. And these, I just want to encourage you that that comes from me just being, coming to prayer meetings, receiving impressions, which actually I know many, many people in here tonight actually do already. They receive things. Because that's what the gift of the Spirit is and the, the, the gift of the prophetic is. So for me to to not do that, it kind of discouraged me. But I'm thinking I need to next time act on it. The trouble is every time it's always a test of faith to do it. What I encourage you is that today I want to just look at first of all the the difference between this kind of operation of what's called New Testament prophets. We are acting this gift in the New Testament. But there was once, many of you know, if you look looking through your Old Testament, you'll see that there was Old Testament prophets. And the Old Testament prophets were known for walking around with, uh, you know, different types of clothes. They, they sometimes, sometimes look like odd characters. And actually, sometimes isolated, they were elect people who would often uh, speak the very words of God. And... People would go to them to almost say, can you give us a word? Actually expecting to hear what they believe to be the the actual exact words of God. We see in Jeremiah 1 verse 9, it says, when Jeremiah is called, it says, I have put my words in your mouth. To Balaam the prophet, he says, "I must speak only what God puts in my mouth." In Numbers 22, so we see that these prophets, these Old Testament prophets, they operated in a way that they spoke, they spoke the words, what the the very words of God, effectively, to people. And the difference I want to encourage you tonight is the difference between Old Testament prophets and us today. Apart from us not wandering around in the desert eating, eating locusts and things like that. And don't do that on Sunday, please. But the the difference between us is that many of the Old Testament prophets were correctional prophets. They corrected people. They corrected sin. They brought sin uh, to, to mind. Very, very strong judgmental words. And they were very correctional. Now, correctional prophecy can come in today, but kind of at the, the levels of what we've just seen a minute ago, The what I would call the office of prophet which we'll come to later on. But the difference is that they are correctional. But today, the New Testament prophets are directional. So we're effectively directing people towards their destiny. We're either directing individuals sometimes to their call or destiny, or even corporately as a church. We're here uh, as a body. Ephesians 4 talks about the um, fivefold ministry. The prophets are here to edify the body, to build up the church, and to uh, effectively to, to use prophecy to build people up and direct the church. One of the things that I want to encourage is that we, from this, we want to be prophets, yeah? We want to prophesy, we want to encourage the gift of prophecy in the church. What we don't want is um, people at war with prophecy. So using prophetic gifts, and people always thinking I've got a word to bring, and it's and then it kind of overrides, and it's not out of love anymore. But it tends to be everyone's got a word, and we don't want to be a church like that. We want to use the gift carefully. So it always needs to be out of love, uh, because that's that's what God is, and God talks about. Uh, Paul talks about these gifts, but talks about love as being a very key thing. So. I just want to look at what the biblical definition is. It says it's, uh, as Jean-Louis said, it's a gift. It's a gift from God. 1 Corinthians 14 says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So it tells, it says here, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, but especially the gift of prophecy. It says this, that in Revelation 19 verse 10, it says that for the testimony, of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So that again, Revelation 19 verse 10 says this, "For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So it's saying in simple form that the testimony of Jesus is what prophecy is really. And in John 18, when Jesus speaks to Pilate, and he talks about truth and all that, and the what is truth? Jesus says this, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to truth. So basically, what the first biblical thing I'd like to bring is that in its simplest form, prophecy should be a declaration of truth. That's what it should be. It should be a simple declaration of truth, effectively in line with scripture, which is truth i just want to give another definition here, which is not biblical. It's, um, I think this is actually a Peter Kavanagh definition. But it's in your notes. It says, a message of encouragement from heaven, spoken under the supernatural inspiration of the Holy Spirit. A message of encouragement from heaven, spoken under the supernatural inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Another one we've got here is that you've got in your notes, prophecy is divine possibilities which through faith and patience transform into divine probabilities which through obedience become divine realities. I just want to focus on that last one just for a second. It sounds a bit of a a tongue tie. But just to simplify it for you, what what does anyone see when when I describe that to you? Prophecies, divine possibilities... Which through faith and patience transform into divine probabilities. Which through obedience become divine realities. What do we see there? Yeah. One of the key things there is process. So it's the process of, uh, of the prophetic word when it comes to us or we deliver it. That when we receive something it's a divine possibility. You know when people prophesy words of us it doesn't mean that that's it, it's going to happen. There's work to be done. Yeah. And through faith... And patience, very key, transform, when we do some stuff, into divine probabilities. So it's probably going to happen if we do these things. It's very probable. But which, through obedience to God, become divine realities. We see the manifestation of it. So what I want to encourage you is that it's a process Some of us have received prophecy many years ago, and it's been a process to see that come to pass. And when we give prophecies to people, it's about that, you know, what we say to them doesn't mean it's it's definitely going to happen. Some people give prophecies and they try to make them happen for people. You know, you're going to be in the music team, you're going to do this, or blah, 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 and then they'll try every effort. It's good to be an encourager if we believe in that word to encourage that, but not to just keep watching and watching and trying to make it happen. We're here. I've always said it, to release words, prophetic words, things that are on our hearts, impressions. But you leave it to God. You release it, you leave it to God. It's not for you to worry about. You just release it and leave it with God. Or the person to receive and let them test it. I just want to, one of the things I I thought the other day, is sometimes, because what we've got to remember is with the prophetic is that the importance of it, of, of the word compared to the prophetic so some churches I've seen, some people can get into the gifts of the spirit, into healing, healing ministry and all these gifts and disregard the, the word. And what we've got to remember is that the word is the key thing. We, everything comes around, we just said it a minute ago, it's, it's about truth, it's about Jesus, it should come back to this. And I, want, I just want to, I had a thing the other day that I just felt come to me, an analogy and I explained to Rob actually, we were having a chat the other day, and said that it's almost like if you had never read the Bible and the author is wanting you to read the Bible. There's a, a book, but he just keeps sending you a letter with a bit of scripture in, using scripture to encourage you, but saying, you know, the full book's there if you want to read it. There's something we like about a personal letter that's sent to us with the name of the author signed, delivered to us. But if it's an invite to the, the whole thing. The whole book. And sometimes I think prophecy is good because it's almost like a, a letter that's been sent to us personally. It's like that kind of a personal thing that is from God. And these are good things, but we need to come back to this because the whole of the Word of God is personal to us as well. Amen. So we should never forget that. So the difference is we're not old Testament prophets. We're not here to correct people. We're not here to judge judge people. Just one thing on correction. I believe that in correctional words, you know, some people can come in, in the church and feel that they need to correct correct the pastors, correct the leadership and all these kind of things and telling people out there, thus saith the Lord, he, he says you need to do this or you need to change this. And correctional words, when they're given, the reason why I said that if they're ever given in any caliber at all, there should be someone who is a very seasoned prophet in, the, in what we call the office of prophet. And somebody who gives a word like that to a church leader of any of any sort should never be someone, it should never come from down upwards. It should always be from upwards down. It should be coming from someone who's feeding into the leadership rather than the church coming and prophesying and saying, I feel the Lord wants to do this. That's not how the church runs. So one thing we just need to be careful is correctional words should be left to the people who are seasoned prophets who very rarely would correct. In all my time I've ever prophesied, I don't think I've ever, ever, and I can't recall unless someone tells me differently, that I've ever corrected anyone or said things like that because I don't even feel at that level to do so. So we're not Old Testament prophets, so we shouldn't act like them. We shouldn't speak like Old Testament prophets, saying that we've almost got the voice of of God, that we, every every word that we say is anchoring on, you know, if you... Effectively, what we're saying is if you don't believe me, if you're rejecting me, you're rejecting God. That's what we're saying. We're saying if you don't listen to this because it's so everything I say is from God. I'm a channel for God's voice. If I say that, then everything you reject, I'm effectively saying you're rejecting God. But the Ephesians 4, uh, which talks about the five-fold ministry, the gifts of the Spirit and prophecy, completely different thing. After Jesus has died, the New Testament prophecy is a completely different thing. I once chatted to someone who uh, was in a church where someone was being um, ordained to come into, actually it was a, a Assemblies of God church, I believe, or Pentecostal church. And someone in the church, when this pastor was coming to take over, so I want to encourage you, what I'm going to tell you now, please no one do this. But one of the people in the congregation felt that they had to give a word to the pastor who was being um, ordained into the church. And he came out, and this pastor knew nothing what he was going to do. I only know this because it was told afterwards. But as he prayed for the guy, and the guy was there with his wife, this is not far from here. As he prayed, this young person who came forward prayed and then got a jug of water and poured it over the pastor's head. As a symbolic uh, sign in, a, in his prophecy. You can imagine, the guy was absolutely wet through. And I remember someone in the story was shouting out, one of the elders of the church shouted out, that's a new carpet. But you can see here, this is this is an illustration of sometimes where the Old Testament a uh, type of prophecy can come in where we think we've got to do things that are symbolic and getting all spooky and you know and weird when actually we don't need to. We're not meant to make things sound and look odd and look you know, we're not meant to come to the front of the church and say I've got a word and say so I'm just gonna to go to the back and lay on the lay on my side for three months and then I'll tell you what I think God said. We're not here to do that. It's so much more simpler. God's made it simpler. So that's at the extreme level. But we should remember not to use terminology that sounds like we're trying to make it like we're Old Testament prophets. Some people try to make their prophecies sound like the more I make it sound like this, the more people believe it's God. And it's total rubbish, really. We should avoid that, like the plague. So today, prophecy is, is fallible. Because we are not operating, um, speaking the very words of God. Because we're not operating like that, in the knowledge that we don't have the very words of God. That we're speaking in a different way, in this New Testament way. Prophecy is fallible. it can There can be mistakes. And I want to free you up tonight to encourage you that when you're going to minister in the prophetic... You can make mistakes. It happens. I've made mistakes as well. Sometimes someone hasn't told me. I just know I have. I just think that that was just totally wrong. I shouldn't have said that. Why did I just say that? That's why I'm always careful that the words I use. Or the words I give. I don't act beyond my ability. Because if I act beyond my ability in my faith. If I'm doing some of these things and I do get it wrong. You can end up messing someone's life up. Now that's not something to scare you off this. But we just have to remember that people's lives are at risk. Almost that you know we, we're speaking into people's lives. I'm going to talk probably next week about receiving prophecy, and actually learning how to receive prophecy is is good as well as is, is learning well how to give prophecy as well. The more we learn how to receive it, it helps us to how to give prophecy as well. Today, prophecy is fallible. 1 Corinthians 14. We look back at that again. 20, verse 29 says, Paul. he he talks about the prophecy being weighed carefully, that we need to weigh prophecy. So when we receive it, so when we we give the prophecy, we might be wrong because the person receiving it needs to test it and weigh it. Yeah? So we need to, it might not be right. It might be that the the prophet's just totally missed it. But if if we're um, well learned in this and understand that prophecy can be, we can make mistakes and it is fallible, then we'll receive it in a different way. We'll not judge the prophet. We won't stone the prophet for getting it wrong. So sometimes when we receive a, a prophecy, many of you have had this problem, you thought this person who's speaking this word has got no idea this is totally wrong. Sometimes we're thinking this doesn't make sense to me. And if we think like that, sometimes we can't just reject prophecy, the gift of prophecy that is, just because the person's got it wrong. If we all want to be good at prophecy and and learning in this gift and fanning it into flame, then we're going to all have to make a few mistakes. And next week, if you're up for it and you want to prophesy, you're going to make some mistakes. And isn't it great that we can make mistakes together? What a great setting to do that in. Even me today, after trying to push this gift for 10 years or so, I still think I could make a mistake. I don't think every time people say, how can you say a word if you don't know it's definitely from God? Because I'm willing to, to fail sometimes, but I'm, so, I'm always trying to think in my mind and be careful of how I deliver the words. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19 to 22, if you just want to turn to that quickly. 1 Thessalonians 5, Thessalonians 5 verse 19 to 22, it says, do not quench the spirit and do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So we must, it says, don't quench the spirit. You know, just because somebody gets it wrong, don't say, you know what? This guy's just totally wrong. This This whole gift of prophecy thing, I don't want this. Don't judge the gift by the person who's given it. They're probably just trying things and failing and we need to give them uh, the benefit of the doubt sometimes. But it says, "Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what's good." Prophecies that have been given to me. I always hold on to what is good if it's even if it's a bit odd. Sometimes I just shelve it and think, you know, if God wants to if God really wants to do some of these things, he'll do it. He's powerful enough. He can he can tell somebody else to to speak to me, and that prophecy shouldn't run my life. What's important is this: what I want to get onto is what we do when we prophesy. Is not because we can make mistakes, because we can say things and our interpretation get things wrong sometimes. What's so important is the essence, or the spirit of what we're trying to say, or even if you're receiving, what the person's trying to say. So when you prophesy, you have a word of knowledge, or you receive an impression, pictures, anything like that, what's what's the the main thing we need to remember is that we deliver the essence of what we believe God's saying. A few weeks, well, probably a few months ago now, but we're in a prayer meeting downstairs, and people were prophesying away, and uh I were encouraging people to prophesy and people to, and we were just praying and worshipping. Some of you might remember this, but that night, I know Rob and Karen were in that meeting and a few people were saying things all around a very similar line. Talked about trophies, races, you remember that guys? And I was astounded because we were worshipping away and all these things were happening. And I was receiving certain things that I felt God was showing. But some of the guys here were just saying things. And what that shows us is this, that not we have not all received the same pictures or impressions or whatever. But God is speaking to us on the same essence, the same spirit. And we all receive it slightly differently. And we deliver it slightly differently. But as long as the essence is there, the spirit of what God is wanting to say. It's not about the person who does it. God desires his word to be released. So when we're all doing this together and we're, we're operating in the prophetic in small settings, are we going to do that? What's important is it's not who does it, whether it's the person speaking or whatever, but it's a lot, God, all God wants to do is, I want to encourage you that God is speaking all the time. Every day through the night, he's speaking constantly. It's not like we come to a meeting and we have to do a few worship songs to whip it up, so that we get to a stage where, right, that's it, we've got full signal, full Wi-Fi, this is it, we can receive now. It's not like that. What it's like is this, that it's all the time. We just sometimes are not switched on. And what you've got to think about is that you're a bit like a radio, you know, a receiving a radio that receives. Some people, uh, it, it, when you you can turn that radio off... The receiver of the aerial is there, but it's always constantly coming. And I believe that all the time God just wants to speak. I'm personally trying to push myself prophetically. And some of you know, you've you've heard recent stories where I'm outside these four walls and I'm trying to just sit to God all the time. You know, what is it you want to say to that person? How could I encourage through the prophetic that person? Because I, I, I really believe that that's what God wants us to do, to push these things. The thing is with when we can make mistakes and when we can think that what we have is might be wrong or if I deliver this, if I say this, I'm scared stiff for saying this because people might think I'm crazy, I'm wrong. If I get it wrong, then what's God going to think if I've said something that he didn't say? And we can be very fearful of being false prophets. We can be fearful. There's a fear and the enemy can come to put that upon our minds That if we speak the wrong things, and we get it wrong, that we are false prophets. Can I encourage you that we're not false prophets? We're not false prophets. If we operate with love, as these guys said, and we don't operate with a false heart. False prophets have false hearts. Matthew 7 you don't have to turn to it, but Matthew seven fifteen 15-16, Jesus says this, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. It's pretty harsh, isn't it? By their fruit you will recognize them. False prophets are like ferocious wolves. When you're in a prayer meeting, and you're pushing and worshipping God, an encouragement and love and to strengthen the body i can i can only assure you you you're, you're not a ferocious wolf you're not someone who's wanting to take someone down you may be if you if you are and you've got false motives then yes you are a false prophet but most of us we're fearful thinking that if we get it wrong we're going to be accused or we're what scripture says is a false prophet when we're not False prophets, remember that, are false hearts. And being false is not someone who just gets it wrong every now and again. It's part of the process of testing the prophecies. A guy called Wayne Grudem wrote a book, The Gift of Prophecy. And he states this that prophecy, prophecy is speaking merely human words to report something. God brings to mind. Let me say that again. Prophecy, I think you've got it in your notes, is speaking merely human words to report something God brings to mind. Unfortunately for all of us, prophetic words, impressions, everything have to bypass our minds. So it has to go through that process first. And because of that, that's where we can trip up. That's where we can get, get it wrong. So what, what Wayne Grudem says here is it's, we're using our human words to describe something that has come spirit to spirit. And then we have to kind of take it through our vocabulary. And that's where it can go a bit wrong. But you know, God knows this. We're vessels made of clay. We make mistakes. To give you an analogy, I think that sometimes God gives us pictures, illustrations or whatever. It's almost like a, a, a child's dot to dot picture. It's like if you looked at a picture of dot to dot, most of the time you can, rem- you can see sections and you just know what it is. But it's not, everything's not there. There's dots to fill in. And in between those dots, that's where we, it's our mind us to fill in these bits. So your interpretation of a picture of a horse, let's say, with dot to dot is going to be slightly different to someone else's. But let's face it, it's going to be a horse. God uses these things to try and encourage us with pictures and things like this to, it's, it's a great way of creatively speaking into our minds. But just remember that your picture might be slightly different to another, but it's almost like that kind of dot-to-dot analogy. That might work for you, it works for me, that it it kind of is speaking, We we have to kind of fill in the gaps sometimes. Sometimes it's really clear, it's very clear pictures, but sometimes it's kind of we have to analyse it and look at what God is showing us. Romans 12:6. we touched on this a minute ago. It says that we, we prophesy according to our faith. So you, it's, it's important that from these sessions that we're not just going to become prophets overnight. That, uh, you know, office of prophet. That you can go out and start speaking words. God wants you to be like that. Eagerly desiring, we saw that scripture earlier. Eagerly desiring this gift. So it's great to desire it. But what he wants us to do is to grow and be mature in it. I've found over the years that the more and more I've pushed, bit by bit, God has released more of this gift. But it's, so I want to encourage you, uh, some of us might want to be running with the big gifts straight away, but if we do, sometimes we can really mess up and, sp- and give words to people. Words and knowledge to people and, and, and mess their lives up. And God is watching to see how do we treat the small things he's going to give us first. So if you want to be moving in these gifts, I encourage you to think, you know, even have to start off small. Start off small and you will see God just pick it up. And you have to push as well and keep eagerly desiring and God will give you more. But we need to prophesy according to the faith levels we have. He says we have different gifts, Romans 12. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. It's clearly telling us to do that. I just want us to turn now just to 1 Corinthians 14. This is a very um, great scripture to look at regarding prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 to 5, it says this. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, we read that earlier. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Many of you have heard on sometimes Sunday mornings, people will give a message in tongues. And sometimes following that, there's an interpretation given by someone In the church. He says the Bible talks about that tongues is actually speaking mysteries to God. From our spirit. We don't understand what they are. And so someone might interpret that. But it says here. Anyone who speaks in tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the spirit. But verse 3. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. It's exactly what you guys were saying earlier. These are the key things here. The prophecy, the purpose of prophecy is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. So we've understood what prophecy is tonight, what it's for, uh, what, what prophecy is. And this is now the purpose of prophecy. is to strengthen the body. In love, encourage people, and comfort people. We're going to look at some ways of how those our words and, uh, words and knowledge can fit into this category later on. It says, verse 4, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Paul says this, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy seems very key, doesn't it, this prophecy thing? Many of us want to speak in tongues, but actually saying to us, if you just prophesy, people might understand you. I would like everyone uh, to speak, uh, I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. That doesn't mean by that the person's better than the other. Let's just get that straight. It doesn't mean that if he, if someone prophesies and the other one can only speak in tongues, that means that person's more special. What it means is, what he's trying to emphasize throughout all this is saying, you know, for the the use of the building of people, you know, it's far better that if you don't understand Spanish, that you come to the English service to listen to English, isn't it? It's far more beneficial for you, although we want to encourage everyone to come even though you don't understand a word they're saying, just to support them. Just a little plug there. But it's far more important, isn't it, that you go to something you can understand. And what he's saying is that we can babble on and speak, because when we speak in tongues, we have the, we can control tongue. You know, it shouldn't be just released at any time. We have to think about unbelievers who come in. So what he's saying is here is that it's, the person's greater who's prophesying because they're greater because they're just, they're realizing that the benefit of people understanding them. It's not that they're a greater person. So we see in that bit of scripture, 1 Corinthians 14, that prophecy is really key. It's purpose for the church to strengthen and encourage. It's a key thing that we need to minister in. I'd like to see it as this it's a tool for the job. Many of us here have got a job to be doing in this church, whether you're going out evangelizing, whether you're in here hoovering, having conversations with people. Whatever you're doing in this church. On Sundays or through the week, we all have a job to do for the commission. We've been preaching about that recently. And we need tools for the job. I like to see it like this. If we, if we, um, want tools for the job, when I do, when I do work in the house, it's not often, Emma's looking at me gone out. But when I do DIY, (laughs) yeah, Jaron, when I do DIY, I always seem to get halfway through a job and think, I just wish I had this certain tool to just do this better, an electric screwdriver that could do this far faster. And I'm like hard at work trying to do something, thinking if I only had these tools, if I only had that. There's that type of person who's getting on with the work and realising the potential of if they had some extra help by the good tools that are required to do the job, it'd be so much easier, but they're, they're halfway through the job. Or there's the other person that I remember my mate at work years ago said he loved DIY but he couldn't do it to save himself. And he went out to B and Q and bought the big leather belt with all the tools on it, but never used them. And we need to be people when we when we want to operate in these gifts, people who are actually already working, already realizing the the, the requirement for these gifts for the tool for the job not I want these gifts so I can just kind of say I've got these gifts and never really use them we need to be people who are already working hard realizing if only I had this and when we think like that I believe God thinks do you know what I just so want to give you that I just so want to help you out because you're already doing it you're already trying to screw that shelf on and struggling. And I can see. And you're eagerly desiring it. Because you realise the benefit. Rather than someone who says. I just want everything. And just putting the fancy tool belt down. Because they just don't even know how to use the tools. So it's a tool for the job. Another thing for its purpose. Is it should point people to their destiny. It should point to a potential destiny. We looked at this earlier. Potential destiny. It's to strengthen. To encourage and to comfort. What prophecy is not for is fortune telling, rebuking, criticizing people, and daily guidance. It's not like a horoscope. There's so many people, sometimes I've had texts and people send things, sometimes they'll say, can you give me a word for this? What is God saying to you for this? And I just think, do you know what? God speaks to us more personally. Prophecy is great, but he he should be speaking to us. And it's great to have prophecies. We, me and Emma, through these last, uh, since February, from this time of this whole transition for, move, for us to take over the church, had so many, we had a prophecy about eight years ago that was really key. But in the last so many months, we've had loads of pro- prophetic things and encouraging words and things that have really helped us to realize that it's God's destiny. But that's not happened for about eight years. And we shouldn't be living off the prophetic word. But when he it's like God just comes when he knows you really need it sometimes. But it's not for fortune telling. We're not here to be telling people's future. So I want to encourage you. You're not here to, once we start operating this gift, to start going around on the Sundays and the whole church turns into people just like, I've got to have a word for Sunday. I've got to have a word. I've got to tell somebody this. I don't, I don't even, sometimes I don't, it's good to prepare and come for words and to give words to people. Sometimes I just don't come and I haven't got on my mind at all. And God sometimes, that's when he uses you. Sometimes when you're not ready, it's good to be ready. On Sunday that happened for me. I spoke to a guy and I ended up giving him a word of knowledge as I talked to him in the cafe downstairs that was very key and opened up his heart to, I believe, receive what I had to say. Now that, to me, is what it's all about. Just opening up their hearts. At first it, it, was, it was quite closed. The conversation, it was difficult. So I just said quickly in my mind, God, what do you want to say to this guy? And I just felt something come about this particular guy. And I just said it to him. And I could see his eyes just kind of light up. He realized that something was a little bit different. Just on that, i probably repeat myself here, but just on that, sometimes when we don't know, if we receive things like that, I want to encourage people like that encourage you that if you don't know how to deliver it and you don't know how to say it in types of settings like that. What I've found is praying for people in line with the prophetic word. They'll never even know that you had a prophecy or you've even delivered one. They'll just say to you afterwards, which I've had many times, wow, that prayer was so specific to me. And you've never even done anything. You've You've kind of done it in a slightly different way and protected yourself as well. So it's not for fortune telling and things like this. But it's to encourage, strengthen and comfort. I'm going to tell you a quick story about when I, not long after the guy, um, John, that I told you about earlier. The next time that something key happened for me, downstairs in the church, we were running a Sunday night meeting. We were kind of calling it some revival in the city or something like that, trying to push the boundaries in the city. And I'll never forget playing the drums. And something happened to me this night, but this time I actually went ahead with it. And this is another key moment. I was sat on the drums playing away. And I, s- I looked around the congregation. And I saw someone new coming, a lady. She was sat in the middle. And I looked and I said, God, I don't know who that lady is. I don't know if she could be a Christian or anything. But we're trying to push for revival. We're trying to push for the Holy Spirit to move in here. What do you want to say to that person as I'm playing the drums? And I didn't feel anything specific straight away. But as I'm playing the drums, all of a sudden a picture came to mind. And This is the picture I saw. I saw... Um, the lady almost chained to the f- pedals of a car the, the acceleration brake pedals of a car. Like her arm was chained down to it. It was f- quite vivid. And I saw this picture in my uh, this this impression and I thought straight, well what does that mean? So I'm sat I'm playing the song. Thinking, what does that mean, Lord? Are you, what are you trying to say? And I just felt God said this simply. That person has has been gripped by some car accident that's happened. And it's it's gripped her life. It's, it's kind of chained her to this incident. She's not been able to detach herself from it because she's chained to it. She's not been able to do that. And the result of that, she feels discouraged and down. I just want you to tell her that you know this and that I love her and that I want to be to help her. Now, I, s- I sat on the drums. And I remember Pete was there. and I, I don't know if you remember this, but I sat on the drums and I got... And he kind of said to me, have you got anything? So I just got up and I thought, I'm going to say this. But I daren't for the life of me say you there in the middle and say what I've just said to you. Because I thought, if I say this, if I'm wrong, I look silly. Everyone will think, you know, this is, you know. And we're always worried that people think, oh, you know, his gift's wrong. It's not, you know. And as I looked out, I stood downstairs pretty much where I am here. And I closed my eyes and I said this instead. I said, God, I said, there's someone here tonight. Who as field and I just, to cut long so short, what I've just explained to you, that they have been tied on chain to this incident of a car accident. I said, if that's you, I want you to come out to because I want to pray for you, because all I was going to do is just pray God's love, God's peace, and encouragement and strengthening. And I, like, and I did it, and I was closing my eyes because I was scared, because I thought, I know no one's going to come forward, so I am just stood there. And as I lifted my head up, she was stood in front of me. She'd come out down to the front and stood in front of me. Straight away, my heart went, was pounding because I thought, this is it. If only I'd have said, you know, you there. But sometimes we don't have to do these things. Sometimes we want to do these things. Let's be real. We want to do it to make ourselves look good, you know. Um, You there in the middle, come out, blah, blah, blah. It's not all about trying to point people out. It's great to do that because sometimes people realize God is really speaking now. It just helps people. But she came out and I had to explain to her that and you can understand she probably thought that I was lying, I don't know. But I was trying to explain to her, yeah, it was for you, I knew, I saw you. And she can't, and she, and I could tell she believed me, and I, re- and I just ended up praying with her and encouraging it. What she actually told me was this. That in a road just outside Cambridgeshire, about eight years previous to this night, her husband was killed in a car accident. Just outside Cambridge. And she's lost her husband. He's totally gripped her. Ever since, she can't release herself from it, and all her family's falling apart around her because she's trying to run the whole family, and all because of this incident. I really do believe God was speaking that night. And so, I said, let me pray for you. And I said, I really felt it for you, and I'm so glad you came out. And I ended up spending a bit of time talking to her. I hadn't seen that lady since, that was a long, long time ago this happened. And... A couple it's probably two, three years ago, me and Emma were, went to my boss's christening in another church in Cambridge, a C of E church. And it just so happens that when I was at that christening, that lady was in that church, and she remembered me and came up to me and said, "I will never forget what you said to me that night. never." And she don't come to this church? As a result, that doesn't matter. But the, the, the thing I'm trying to show you is this. The simple picture, just receiving that, asking God, can result in someone being helped and realising that God's in that situation. Because what an awful situation she was in. So, let's look at who should operate in this gift. It's, we've seen that Acts 2 says, referencing Joel, says that he'll pour out his Spirit on all flesh. That means all of us can operate in this gift. Peter and Paul, in the New Testament, had great experiences. We see in, you can look at, look this up for yourself, but Agabus in Acts was also uh, a prophet, a New Testament prophet that we can read about. But you don't have to wait to get a label to be a prophet, to start operating in it. You don't have to, somebody has to tell you you're a prophet. Some people said to me, he's a prophet and he's seasoned and all this. I don't know what I am, to be quite honest. All I know is I just do what I do and I try to keep pushing the gift to help people. That's all I all I'll ever will do. People can give a label of what I am, it's good to have defined things so we can understand the faith, the, the, the level of faith that we're working in as well. Yeah. Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice. So I said it earlier, he's inside of us. You shouldn't have to think, I can't hear his voice. Not many of us are ever going to hear his audible voice. Some of you might say, well, I've heard it. I've never heard his audible voice. He does speak in audible voice. We see, we see that in scripture. But I believe today, it's very different from that. You don't hear many people saying, I heard the audible, natural voice through my ear. So he speaks to us in our hearts through pictures and things like that. So just looking at this level of gifting that there is, none of this is biblical definition. It's, none of it is saying that this is what the Bible says that you're in or categorized. But it just helps us. And This is not definite, it's not something that you know somebody else might tell it in a different way. But I just want to encourage you, because I think this is very key to helping you to understand where you can almost jump on the bandwagon. Some of us in here are probably doing certain things at different levels. So let's first look at this one. Number one is inspirational prophecy. This is a person who speaks something that they feel God's brought to their mind. So inspirational prophecy can be things... That just general things that you feel God's bringing to your mind. It might be scripture. It's prophetic. If we're in meetings together and you feel God's just revealing some scripture that you read the other day and you feel it's prominent for this, you know, tonight, it's inspirational. You're inspired by it. This type of prophecy is encouraging, it's comforting to people. They want to hear it and it encourages them. And these words often come from analogies, pictures and things. So we've seen that. I I believe that a few people in here are operating in that already. We've seen people operating in inspirational prophecy. It's very, you know, first level of kind of feeling that the receptors are on. It proves that we can hear things. We saw it the the other day when we said about the race, the trophy, and all these things. People are receiving. And I want to encourage you this as well, that when you actually push yourself, and we will next week even more, but when we push ourselves to try and do things, you'll be surprised at what. God is saying many of us thinking, if he, I hope you don't ask me because I ain't got anything to say I remember somebody, a mate of mine who was at a, a conference and they did a prophetic uh, teaching day and they all got called out and said what's God saying to you now and he says I was just trying to think straight away about this picture and he said he just saw this woman with a stick in her hand and he said I just see a woman with a stick in her hand and that was it and he just looked at her and she said okay and he kind of released that because it was the first thing that came to mind do you know I want to encourage you that something can develop. There's more in you than you realize. I'm not going to go into detail, but Rob, a few weeks ago, said to me, I've got a word I want to share with you. And he just said a simple couple of words. And the end result of this discussion with Rob was this. I said, do you know what? I want you to even push that further. I want you to pray for me. See what God's saying to you. And try and you fail on me if you want. If you get it wrong, I don't care. Just fail on me. And he ended up praying. And I just, we just we stood there, didn't we? And he was just quiet. Didn't say a word to start with. Then all of a sudden, he said about three paragraphs compared to a couple of words. And everything he said was completely accurate for me. And that's because I pushed him and said, Do you know, what? just take it a bit further. and See what he feels that God is expanding on in, in that in that picture. So that's the same for us all. So inspirational prophecy is one of the things. Images are great and we, I always think that he, he's used it for me many times. And even today, a lot of the things that I receive, I feel I receive are pictures. Whether I always think that's because I'm a creative person and I work with pictures all the time. It's just the way that he speaks. And I sometimes find as well that the pictures that you might receive, some, most of the time they seem to be ajar jar with um, what you were naturally thinking. Sometimes we're trying to search for pictures. You know what, I'm in a meeting and worshipping away, what can I say? Can I, if I say this picture and I just wrap it up in this and say this and this and this. But it should just, just leave it for God and God just drops it in and it it lies heavy. And we see these pictures and they're almost like an ajar to what we were thinking. We're not, it's so wrong for us to come and try naturally to search for things. Search for what God's saying. If he wants to speak he will. The next level is, so we, I, I'm sure you can all agree that some of us are already operating in this and some of us may want to start listening and looking for God to show us pictures. But another level is prophetic gifting, where people start frequently, even more frequently receiving things. I would probably say that for me, this is the level I'm kind of in. Sometimes with a touch of the office of prophet with some of the descriptions of me, but I wouldn't like to live myself as I've already said. But I do, I would say I frequently receive things more than I used to do. And it's not because God said, um, you know, I'm just going to keep throwing things at you because you're special. It's because I kept pushing it. So the more you push it, and well, like I said earlier about the tools for the job, when we realize that there's a job to be done, my heart is for people to be strengthened and encouraged and for people to be brought to Jesus. And if, he, if, he, if you've got that heart, do you think he says that the, the Father will not withhold these things from us? He wants to give them to us. It's free. And then the final one, prophetic ministry or office of prophet. A person who's been recognized, nurtured and commissioned. And they can be more precise with dates and knowledge. So we saw earlier, the first thing we kicked off with is William Branham. And he says names and dates and all these kind of stuff. I would encourage you to avoid, even though I showed you that, to try and stir you. To avoid doing these kind of things. It's very rare that I would use dates Names, I know many people who are gifted prophets who have have said things to people and this they, they've got a great prophecy, then they end it off with a dit and it it kind of ruins the whole thing and The reason why some people do it is because they want to sound more special. they want to think if I say this and then everyone watches and it comes to pass, this is going to look really good for me when actually we don't have to we don't have to do this i mean some I remember years ago me and some of the guys here went to a, prop, uh, a night of some prophets in Cambridge at another church and somebody said to me, you want to go to this place, the guy knows your name, he knows your address, he knows your phone number and all this kind of stuff. It's that kind of level of detail. A little bit like the William Brannan stuff, the details of what he knows. I thought, why on earth do I want to really go and find out my phone number and my name when I already know it? Why do I want to know these things? The key thing about that is, what we saw earlier about dates and names with seasoned prophets is this: the people who give them the the reason I believe that the the things like that are for is for the lost if it's used, if it's used in the right way. people who see that knowledge has been given like that can sometimes believe and think God is in this place, the scripture for that and what we've got to remember is it's not about us being fancy and doing all this kind of, I'm going to try and add this on. There's a, I'm not going to name the name, but there's a prophet in, in America, very well-known prophet, Senator William Branham, he's still alive today. He once gave a prophetic word over someone in a church and said, by the end of the year, this is going to happen. And it never happened by the end of the year. And The pastor said to this well-known prophet, it happened actually... The following years, let's say, I'm making it up, but around about April. So it was was supposed to happen by December. New Year's Eve, this person would have received it. But it didn't happen. And the pastor said to the prophet, why did you say by the end of the year? And the prophet said this. He said, why not? If it's not going to happen by the end of the year, when is it going to happen? If he's given it now. Because there's a tendency, and we can even, make this mistake, that if God gives a word tonight for someone in here, that it can be, you know, it's can be. It's, it's got to happen by the end of this year. And putting that date on it, it actually happened, but it kind of can ruin it. And there's a million reasons why not to say by the end of the year, and we don't need to say it. God can still bring these things to pass. So dates and names, I'd avoid uh, dates Naming things unless you're seasoned, unless you really, really, really know that God is clearly giving it to you and you can see with your own natural eye in front of you. God's showing you something now. But we should be very, very careful with this because people could be we're gonna we're gonna fail on the strengthening, encouraging, and comforting people if we get it wrong like that. Because we're trying to show off with the gift. So the Ephesians 4, 11, five full ministry, I don't want you to turn to that, but the gifts that it talks about there for the building up of the church, these are the kind of, what I would call the office of prophet, Is the kind of someone who's seasoned in them gifts. And also we can see, we mentioned it earlier, that um, with with the kind of gifts at this level, with the seasoned prophets, and using this kind of names and places, that they can sometimes have the corrective element, that they can tell people, correct people in things, but it's because they're seasoned to do that. So first things to remember from what we've just been looking at is to not be corrective, not send judgmental words out, and not be doing things like that. I'm going to talk at another point about how to prophesy and, and the ways in which we should be speaking and things like that. But just looking at these things have not been correctional in our words. I've got. I've got. I'm actually moving on to some stuff I wanted to do next week, and I've got an exercise I'm going to do. So I'm actually going to get us to do an exercise um, in a, in a minute, which I was going to do next week. But before I do that, is there any questions that anyone have? Anyone's got that up? To, up to now, we've been looking at kind of the history, the purpose, and next week we're going to be looking more at pro- actually at how to prophesy and things like that, and a bit more practical stuff. But has anyone got any questions that the Urgent to ask, and don't worry, you know, you can say anything you want.
1: There was one time you were playing the drums, and someone walked in, and you asked God to give you something to tell the lady. So there's nothing wrong with asking God, or sometimes do you have, just have to, you know, believe in that the Holy Spirit will give you a word of wisdom for someone. Is there any difference between that or
0: did any, did everyone hear that? Okay, uh, what Jeremy's saying is that when I was on the drums and I asked God for him to show me something, um, what were you saying, is it wrong to is it t- to ask God? I don't think it is. I think that it's part of eagerly desiring the gift that we should, uh, to eagerly desire is to say, God, you know, I need this tool to this job. We're here to seek and save the lost. You said you pour out your spirit on all flesh and you want us all to prophesy. And do all these great things, raise the dead, and all this kind of stuff? Then we should be always seeking to see happen. There's no reason why it shouldn't be that we have certain meetings that we are prophetic in, and then some not. We should, I think, it should always be that we always have a prophetic culture about us. Because downstairs in the cafe on Sunday, to me, is just as important prophesying and speaking and encouraging in in private sometimes as it is publicly on the frontier. In fact, actually, sometimes it's better. I prefer it more when I have personal conversations with people, and we end up prophesying, and lots, lot more has been happening recently. What better stuff to be happening downstairs than just having a coffee? It's people praying for people, and all these things happening. People leave here changed, yeah. So that's—I don't think it's wrong at all to ask God. He wants us to. He wants us to. Does anyone else, Scott? when um say like praying with people that you know personally and say you might know about some of their situations how do you guard against like you know you want to receive something from god how can you guard against um speaking sort of out of the flesh and um being yeah being receiving input from the holy spirit sort of thing do you mean Giving a word to someone, giving, giving a word to someone—it's in the flesh. Yeah, you okay. Uh, did anyone did everyone hear that? So, how do you know when you're giving something? Sometimes we know things about people, some natural stuff, and um, when we're giving words, uh, how do we avoid delivering something that we already know? Kind of things like that. Um what I would say to you is this, is that I, ne- I never, I don't like giving prophecies as much to people when I know lots about them. I prefer other people to do it because then it's more profound for them when they receive it. Um, however, it still doesn't matter. People, you know, we give words here to people and I don't know about certain situations and God uses to speak to individuals. But I also want to encourage you with this. Some people are very worried sometimes about giving words that are based on knowledge that they've already known in the natural. And I actually think that it's a good thing to do. It's to combine natural wisdom, natural knowledge sometimes, as long as we're not trying to take credit for knowing natural knowledge and making it look like it's supernatural. So, for example, I could say to someone, I know you're going through this particular thing at the moment, I understand because so-and-so has explained this to me or whatever. However, I really feel God wants to say this to you in this situation about that particular natural knowledge that we both have come to understand. Not, I'm going to hope that they don't know that I know this and then I'm going to wrap this all up into one prophetic word and it's going to make me look amazing. That's not what it's about. So what we should do is, Use natural. Ask God to so sometimes. You know, I know this about this person that they're in this difficult situation, and God can add to that a prophetic word or something that will help them. So there's nothing wrong as long as you're doing it. You're not doing it with a false heart. False hearts are people who are trying to do it with wrong motives to make themselves look good. As long as you're not operating like that, anyone else? It's
2: just an experience. I should. Um A couple of years back, I had some friends and they were having lots of problems. And I had been praying for them. Uh, I was living in Scotland and they were in Newcastle. And one time I decided to go and visit them. And as we were talking and praying, I just found myself, I didn't plan to. I just told them, by this time next year, (laughs) this is going to be sorted. But it didn't happen that year or the year after. Only last year. It was sorted. So I bit myself wondering, you know, was I a false prophet? But, you know, I've been so hard on myself. But what you've taught us now has really encouraged me because my heart was not a false heart and I didn't set out to do that.
0: That's really good. One thing I'd encourage you to do with things like that is if, for example, sometimes... <laughs> I was talking earlier as well about by the end of the year, adding things on like that, adding it onto prophecy. Sometimes the only thing you might receive is, is that thing by the end of the year? It might be that that is a key thing that God really wants to say to someone to encourage them. And it can happen. It's not that these things don't come. One thing I'd encourage you is this. If you think that there is something in it, with dates or anything like that, I'd encourage you to do this. Use prayer. To pray for someone around the prophetic words. So I could say to that person, I want to pray for you because I understand you're going through certain things. Pray for the person and then say to them this. Say, "Uh, I really believe, I'm going to prophesy over you that we're going to see an end to this by next year. Let's believe we're going to see that. It's not going to make you any, if it happens next year, then that's great. But it doesn't matter. We've still done what we've done. And that's like I said to you uh, earlier on. I've, there's many times I've said prayers to people. And people said to me, wow, everything you've just prayed, it's like you, you knew exactly what to pray. And it's because I, were actually, I didn't want to give him a word. I just thought I'm going to pray around this so it doesn't look like I'm giving a specific word. The other thing as well, just to say about prophetic as well, some people can be a bit scared by it. all they're like, oh, you know, he knows everything about me. And it's not, it's not true. A lot of the time we don't know. <laughs> We prophesy in part. We don't know hardly anything. Sometimes um, we don't know much at all, and um, just something's come to mind. When I work, the company I work in, we have a, a division, an area that's um, called. It's like a, a secure area. It's where um, all of the defence and security type work goes on. So it's you have to be be security cleared to to work in some of these areas. And when I've gone into it, I remember somebody once saying to me that that you've been given a permission to look at certain things. And it's almost like the level of what you're allowed to see, and it can just be things you read, that if you read everything that you could see in front of you, you would not understand the full picture. Because you're only seeing snippets of things. So what they're saying is that they're allowing certain people to come into levels of security in our building at reading things. Because they know that seeing certain portions, you'd never understand the full picture. And it's a bit like that. So, there are words of knowledge and we, re, we, we receive things sometimes where people are sinning and all this kind of stuff. But we're not walking around as like, I know everything about everyone. And we shouldn't be scared by this gift about approaching prophets, talking to people who prophesy and even, you know, and wanting to pursue the gift. Because it's for, what's it for? For love, strength and encouragement. It's not a fearful thing that we're not fortune tellers and, it's not like that. Has anyone else got anything?
1: Yeah, basically, like you just said about fortune telling. I just want to touch on that because um, my nan went to see a fortune teller the other week, and she was telling um, my nan all this stuff about my granddad, and he um, like he passed away last year, and he was, she my uh, the fortune teller was my nan, telling my nan all this personal stuff that my grandma was telling her. And I just want to know where does that come from? Like, if it's because I don't believe that's from God, so if it's not prophecy, how did how she know that?
0: Okay, so fortune telling and things like this, we said that we said that it's not fortune telling. We see in I think it's Deuteronomy; it talks about um, fortune tellers and how it's uh, it's, you know it's against God. Um, So all this kind of stuff, tarot cards. Reading your stars, all this kind of stuff that is um is opposite to the gift of prophecy. It's not like it in any shape or form, in fact, actually, just as everything else that we see in the world today, the enemy has a counterfeit to attract he comes as an angel of light, it looks like you know becomes in counterfeit to offer something that's not real. Sorry. My, my view is we don't know the answers to everything because we don't, you know, we live here and, you know, we're talking about a spiritual realm. However, what we've got to remember is that as soon as you open up your mind to the enemy, as soon as you say, you know, I reject God and I reject all the things of the gifts we're talking about that are in line with the church and you're opening yourself up to other things, then you're opening yourselves up to lots of things that are kind of beyond what we understand sometimes. But we know the enemy is at work. And there is darkness and light.
1: I'll try not to be too long, but just to try to um, help Rick about uh, his question. I think in addition to what Phil is saying, um, I, there is something that happened to me when I was still in France, and then I was yet to be a believer, right? I wasn't a believer just going through the French tube, and somebody just you know, stopped me asking for money. I haven't got money. I was a student. And then ultimately she started talking about things which have happened in my life before. Similar type of things. You've lost two people that you love, blah, blah, blah. And of course it it gets your interest and it's like, oh, wow, what is that? And you start being curious about it. And that's the way the devil then brings you in and then start to try to show you things. Essentially, I think there are two elements there. The first one is, even in the Bible, you can see Saul went... And these guys to try to find out in the ball what was happening. Still saw something, right? But you see in the past, fortune tellers cannot predict the future because it's given to God, right? So that's the first thing you need to remember. This person talked about my past, couldn't say anything about the future, wanted me to give her money. And then that's when I was like, okay, you know what, forget it. And when I didn't want to give her, she was like, okay, you are going to have an accident and die. I said, okay, so be it. <laughs> right? So you need to be very careful. And, and Phil says something. Once you give yourself to that, it means that you remove some yourself from allowing God to lead you in the way he wants to lead you. You are righteous. So your steps will be led by God and not by fortune-telling right so it, people can tell you things because at some stage you know they can have you know i don't know they operate by different spirits right even in the book of acts you can see that, you know there was a woman with the spirit of divination keeping on telling running behind the apostle so be very careful because people have different kind of spirits ultimately god is leading his children and then you should just focus on the gift of prophecy so if maybe somebody speaks into your life it will be remembering as what Phil said, edifying, It will be something that will give you hope. It will be something where you will know that God wants to lead you. Not something that will make you condemned and sorrowful and then what? Does it help? Yeah.
2: 1 John chapter 4. From verse 1 it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world, this is how you ca- you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God, mm-hmm. so that's,
0: that's that's great, and that comes back to the very beginning when we talked about it's uh, the spirit of pros- prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, the testimony of truth. It's what he came into the world for the truth. Um, we can it's five past nine so we can finish now a prayer if you want I can, I can do a practical example if people want to it's a to if you want me to do that just to finish off or should we leave that till next week I think yeah thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today for further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings